Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the 7th edition Call of Cthulhu tabletop role-playing game rules by Chaosium. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. While we try very hard to stick to language for all ages, listeners should know that this podcast may include mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and etc., which may bear resemblance to entities living or dead, is strictly coincidental. My name is Michael Diamond, and for tonight's game, I will be your keeper. Previously, on the Old Ways Podcast. In his hand, he has what looks to be handful of silvery dust and he takes an enormous breath oh i look away as soon as i see the dust on this stone path you see a woman and you see her standing next to a man who seems to be bleeding rather profusely you see that the picture that it leaves is finally connected in your brain that picture is your father. You don't know how he's gotten into this book, but there he is. Thank you for joining us, everybody, for another episode of the Old Ways Podcast. This is your keeper, Keeper Michael, and I am here assembled with our investigative crew. We will go through introductions in a moment. Uh, I want to say at the top of the show, I hope you are all still observing social distancing guidelines and you are doing like we are doing and getting together remotely so we can still have these interactions and still enjoy our favorite hobby. Uh, so to my right. Yes, this is Lonnie, and I'll be playing Lawrence Edward Oliver Forsyth, who who remembers what his name is, even though he's had a, a bit of a turn. Excellent. And uh, to his right. I am Morgan. I am playing Lillian Lane, and I am apparently more awake than Lonnie at this point. Of <laughs> uh, that, there is no doubt. At the end of the table. This is Jake playing Jack Doyle, and um, he's had a rough day so far. Yeah, you know, it's been a rough day for, for the whole crew, actually. Uh, and to, uh, to Jack's right. This is James. I'll be playing Dr. Sigmund Tartenbach, who is currently in the back of the car with some interesting mixed company. Hmm, interesting. Uh, and then uh, last but most certainly not least... Uh, Tiffany playing Maeve O'Shea, and yeah, something weird is afoot. Of that, there is no doubt. So we're going to raise the curtain tonight with the car, Miss Lane's car still firmly in park. Uh, and I want to pick up with Jack and uh, Mr. Forsyth. Jack, you guys have piled into the car, and you're about to set off. Uh, you're fairly certain. Is there anything that you'd like to do? Yeah, okay. First of all, I want to say, I'm sorry, everyone. I let my uh, emotions get the best of me, and that's uh, it led to that entire disaster. Jack, do not beat yourself up. It's, again, I'm sorry. Um, These are the men who murdered Jackson Elias. I have no, I have no problems with any of it, frankly. Oh, the whole thing uh, went off the rails. 
anyhow, we need to get out of here. Uh, I need to call Lieutenant Poole. I already have. You, you called Lieutenant Poole? Yes. Uh, what did you say to him? Well, he, I, uh, he was not at... I told him that there, he was needed at the Juju house. My hope is, is that when he shows up, it looks like a poor, unfortunate proprietor was set upon by a bunch of street ruffians and maybe he goes in the basement, maybe he doesn't. <laughs> okay, so what did you tell him exactly? I don't remember. I certainly hope he doesn't go into the basement. Did you tell him that we were there? No. Did you tell, did you tell him who you were? Yes. Oh, he knows that you were there? I told him to meet us there. Okay, um... Alright, uh, so... Were you gonna tell us that before we left? Yes, of course. Okay, um... To have our stories straight, when they start asking questions about bodies at the Juju house. Okay, uh... We can, we can deal with this. Lawrence, why don't you come with me? And him and I will stay here. We will deal with this. Okay? You guys go home, and it might be best for you to start packing. I assume you're saying that to Miss Lane? Yeah. Well, to pretty much everyone else in the car. We will gather our things together. But we're all packing? I'm just saying that in case we don't get in touch with you in the next couple of hours, you're probably going to want to at least find somewhere else to lie low, if not get out of town. Yeah, how this goes. Awesome. So we're like splitting up as a group? Well, no, no. You guys can continue on and deal with this. I'm going to, me and Lawrence are going to try to take care of the situation with Lieutenant Poole. And if everything goes well, we'll meet you back at the hotel. All right. Do we want to stop at my apartment first so I can gather some things to bring back to the hotel? I think that's a very good idea. Somebody hold my gun. <laughs> I'm not touching that. <laughs> Here, Jack, put it in my bag. Okay, and and my 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 backup piece. And mine as well. <laughs> it's like disarming Germany. My bag is only so big, fellas. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll meet you back at the hotel. Okay, unless we don't, in which case, run. Seems to be the theme. Right. Do we want to have a plan to meet somewhere else if we don't see you guys in like 12 hours? Like Europe? <laughs> <laughs> um, how about, weren't we looking at maybe going to Arkham anyhow? Yes. Okay. If you, if you don't meet us, we don't hear from us in a few hours, we'll meet in Arkham. Okay. 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 So, Jack, you and Mr. Forsyth step back out of the car. Are you heading back down into the alleyway? Yes. Quickly. Quickly. You hustle back down the alleyway. Keep in mind that everybody in the car and then the two people getting out of the car are still um, not in the cleanest of clothes. Mm-hmm. So let, I'll just, I'm just reminding you all that that is the case. I, not much I can do about that. Right. You've made your decision. You're heading back down into the alley. Very good. Uh, Mr. Forsyth, I assume you're following him? Uh, yes, I am with him. Okay. Um, so you guys hustle back down into that alleyway. Are you heading back into the Juju house, or are you... We need to clean up and uh, 
get rid of anything that might directly connect us to the fight. Yeah. We may want to try and make it look a bit... I mean, it looks like something happened here because shelves are knocked over everywhere and the place looks like it's been vandalized. It has been. You vandalized it. I did not. Uh, (laughs) Someone else's rather ample backside did. It wasn't a fever dream, (laughs) Mr. Forsyth. This actually happened. In fact... In fact, if the two of you are heading back into the Juju house, why don't you go ahead and roll me sanity? Man. (laughs) You didn't think you were going to get around all that, right? Like I've already done it once. Right. Right. But you are now brought face to face again. With the consequences of our horrible actions. I rolled a 44 under my sanity. Wonderful. And I rolled a 59, which is not under my sanity. Very good, sir. Lose a point of sanity. Um, So the two of you go back in through the broken door. The broken doorway. Because remember, they crashed through the door. Uh, You see the upturned shelves and the bodies laying. I mean, you were just here moments ago. You've already picked up your shell casings, both in the basement as best you could, and then the upstairs here. I want to go one by one. Uh, Jack, is there anything specifically you're doing? I want to make sure that none of us dropped anything that we might have picked up or something is picked up. And honestly, I have to go downstairs and I have to do something about that uh, stone block. Okay. I do not want anyone opening that up. So the first thing you definitely see, because you were one of the last people to interact with it, is you see that there are now, uh, and you you didn't notice it before because of the rush, but on the ledger book that you left mm. open, there are bloody fingerprints on it. Okay, we got to smear them. Uh, Mr. Forsyth, when you enter back into this scene, you become overcome a little bit with uh, grief. You realize that... I'm a murderer. Yeah, that you murdered a shop owner. Now, in the moment, in the hot you know, heat of anger, you, you justified killing him in, because you believe that he sent people after Jackson Elias, a murder that he copped to later in the conversation. But, but this is pretty awful. Yes, yes, it was. Those of you who are in the car and waiting, you wake up. The three of you know what I mean. Jack, when you talk about doing something about the stone in the basement, are you heading back down there then? Yeah. Okay. So you head back downstairs. Mr. Forsyth, what are you doing here in the first floor? As I recall, I took a cut in the middle of the fight. Oh, yes. What about it? Perhaps I should try and, I don't know, disguise it, maybe? I I, I don't know what I could do. I mean, it would look suspicious that, you know, I have a wound. I mean, well, I mean, I don't know what the story is that we're going to concoct here, frankly. Okay. Because several elements of it won't add up. 
and would make pool suspicious. And you go back downstairs, Jack. What are you looking to do then? Well, I'd like to try to see if I can maybe fill in the cracks with dirt, you know, so that it looks like it's been sealed for a while. Move some of the barrels and chests and crates over top of it so that people are less likely to try to open it up, thinking that there's nothing there. Okay. You head back downstairs and you go through the doorway, which you'd shut uh, after everybody left. And there are no bodies lying on the stone floor here. Really? Yep. Really. Okay. Anything else down here? Well, I mean, the rest of the room looks very similar to the way you last saw it. Uh, The curtain has been pulled aside. The area back there has been thoroughly ransacked. There's a few wisps of some sort of foul-smelling smoke that's coming from the pit. Uh, But the pit lid itself, that massive stone, is on top of it. The winch has been destroyed, uh, so there's no way to lift the stone. Not without a team of people. You know what? I think um, I think I'll just leave it. So I really don't want to be down here now. No, I can understand that. Uh, so you head back upstairs and you see Lawrence like kind of moving a few things around here in the shop. Yeah, um, Lawrence. Yes. Bodies are gone. How? I don't know, and I and honestly, I don't want to know. We need to figure out what we're going to say here and uh, how to explain my my wound. Honest, I don't think that the tenant's going to buy any story we give him. He might want to try to uh, appeal to his uh, better nature. Both of you make me listen rolls. Uh, hard difficulty, please. Nope. I rolled a 63. That does not do it. Nope. Okay. So what's the plan, gentlemen? Just just let me do most of the talk. Absolutely. So let's let's step outside. Yes. You step outside. Will you walk nearly directly into a hustling Lieutenant Martin Poole? It came as fast as I could. Holy mother of God. Pretty bad. He looks to you both up and down. What the hell went on in here? There was a bit of a tussle. A tussle? Jesus. Are you are you all right? He looks at you, Forsyth. You okay? I'm I'm fine. It's 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 nothing. Oh, what is that smell? I He pushes his way past the both of you. Good God. What happened? Uh, Honestly, these are the men responsible for the murders. Wait, wait, what? How do you know that? Oh. Questioning, we were attacked. So you came down here to question them? Our investigation has given us a couple of leads that led here. 
I don't know how they do things back in Chicago, but you're going to have some sort of explaining to do. A lot of it. Yeah. So we came down here to talk to the proprietor. Um, strictly background, because, you know, he's uh, he knows some people. In the middle of our questioning, we were attacked by these uh, three ruffians. And there was a fight, and unfortunately, the uh, proprietor couldn't be saved. Otherwise, you would have uh, his testimony. He walks over to the shopkeeper who's been killed. Silas, he looks at the body, just gives it a once-over. Shopkeeper tried to defend himself? looks at the pistol notice that the uh the blades are the same use in the uh various murders in the basement there's a couple of crates full of ids that i think you'll be able to match to missing people okay all right i can get behind that when we talked to some of the locals they mentioned the fact that the disappearances um were mostly of people in the area. I I get that. Mm. But this is this is something else entirely. I understand it's gonna be your job would be to uh, probably take us in, at least question us. That'll make it uh the whole thing a little bit more complicated. Right now you can sew up these murders. You can find the people, the missing people, get their, uh, let their families know what happened. Might be able to prove an innocent, an innocent man sitting on death row is not guilty. And that ledger, there's some names. Names? He goes to the ledger. And I, I point out the, the specific one. It's not proof, but it might be enough to lean on somebody, maybe get them to retire early. And there's probably more of them in there. Mr. Doyle, I would like you to make me one hell of a persuade roll. Uh, and remember, since it's a regular skill roll, you can spend luck on a one-to-one ratio. I have to have a really good. <laughs> Just putting it out there. What is your persuade? Really bad. <laughs> Well, let's cross our fingers and hope Mr. Doyle doesn't let us down. Or let you down, because quite frankly, it can go either way for me. Yeah, you don't care. It's not your problem, right? No, no, it's not. I, I just generated it for you, and now you have to deal with it. Holy oh, my shit. God. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that would be uh, a hard. So you rolled a four. What's an extreme? Your persuade is 16, so uh, it would be extreme, would be a three. I'm going to spend a point of luck point to get extreme. That's fine. Spend a point of luck. Uh, okay. He looks at you intently for a minute, and then you see his eyes go to the windows and the doorway. And he, sa- he leans in just a little bit and says, 
I think you and your buddy probably better ought to get out of here fast. And Lieutenant Poole, we'll be leaving town. You'll never see us again. Let's hope not. It's a lovely town. Can't stay. So you have been given an option to exit stage left. Will you be taking that? Yes, absolutely. All right. So you return to the car, which, as it happens, is still there. I was going to let them go. I figured they were left by now. It's been about two or three minutes since you've been there, and you see everyone in the car. They seem a little discombobulated. Right. Let's go. All right. The troop may resume together. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm I'm a little fuzzy-headed. Someone else will have to drive. Yeah, like Miss Lane's driver. Charles uh, hits the accelerator, and you, you head out of Harlem back towards Manhattan. The city skyline and the snowy weather frame your drive away from the lower end of town to the more glitz and glamour of an area near Central Park where Miss Lane keeps her apartment. Um, so the apartment itself is a very, very nice upper inside a uh, quite stately apartment complex. It's less of a complex, I suppose, technically, and much more of a, a big building. Uh, I link some pictures for you in the group, and so you kind of have a rough feel of the way it looks like on the inside. Um, but she lives essentially about a street off Central Park. So she lives on West 58th. Roughly speaking, it's West 58th and 5th Avenue, give or take that area. So very nice. Um, your driver pulls out front. And then puts the car into park. He turns to you, Miss Lane, and says, would you rather use the uh, rear entrance? He kind of just with his eyes looks over the group. They will all be coming up with me. Of course, ma'am. Um, he puts the car into park and then, and then exits the car and assists each one of you in getting out. Don't go shame. So it's your show, Miss Lane. Where are you taking them? Be awesome if I said the service entrance, but no, we're going to go right through the front door. You head up through an opulent lobby and uh, absolutely you go past a very beautiful front desk and you get stared at by a whole bunch of people. Um, they stare at you until you get to the elevator, and then the, the the bellhop essentially assists you with getting into the elevator, and then takes you up to your floor. For those of you who are new to this level of luxury, it is a bit uh, strange to get used to. The marble, uh, all of the nice handmade wood features, that sort of thing, uh, it's Definitely a cut above anything else you're used to. This place is gorgeous. Mein God. 
Yes, James, it looks like the, um, the Kaiser himself probably stayed here. <laughs> Are we all still battling our, our injuries from last time? Oh, absolutely. No time has passed, so you are still injured if you were injured before. Um, so I looked to the group, and um, I'm assuming we're in the apartment already. And do I, do I have any people there, like maids or anything? Uh, yes, you have servants. We don't refer to them as servants. They're just, you know, hey. they're, the, they're the help. <laughs> well, call them whatever you'd like. They're yours, so you pay for them. True. I'm assuming so. I'm assuming somebody meets us at the door. Yeah, someone meets you at the door. I need um, plenty of towels and water, warm water, and everything to help patch some of these people up. Yes, of course. Right away, you have a um, you have two members that uh, that become three total members of your staff, right? Charles, your driver. You have a footman, essentially. His name is Stephen. Um, Stephen's the the person internally inside the house that would get you and basically anything up to and in excluding food. So all of your meals themselves are prepared separately by an Irish cook that you have. Her name is Hannah. Stephen begins getting you what you need, what you ask for. And Hannah comes out and asks if she can assist you in any way, if you'd like fresh water or bowls. And then she begins to see the state of the group. And she asks if she should call a doctor. We have a doctor. Thank you, though. Um, what we could probably use is some food. Um, that would be wonderful. Of course. I would also appreciate a good stiff bandy for our line. <laughs> And brandy for my, for the doctor. Of course. Are are you, are you suggesting Miss Lane is a lawbreaker? And you, you guys feel free to make yourselves at home. I'm assuming we need to talk next steps, which includes getting out of town. Does it still include getting out of town? I think a vacation in the country is in order. I don't think I will ever be able to peacefully vacation again after what we just saw. Yeah, uh, your staff sets about collecting the things that you've asked for. Who is injured currently? I I am. I'm, I'm injured as well. I have a bite wound. I start with Maeve uh, with the first medicine roll to treat her first, and then I move on to Jack and then Lawrence. Okay. Yeah, so you begin kind of just triaging people. Uh, you saw a little bit to to Jack already uh, down in the underground. So uh, he, for the most part, is going to need to just rest to uh, be under your care and rest for the rest of the day. And uh, doctor, your medicine... I rolled a 76 under an 82, so that was a success on Miss okay. O'Shea. So, uh, go ahead and roll 1d3. Well, Miss O'Shea, you have what a, a bite wound, yes, from the uh, from the the tiny girl. Okay. So, uh, return a single point of uh, hit points to Miss O'Shea. 
Will do. And then if you'd like, Doctor, if you'd like to take another medicine roll on Jack, you can at least get an assessment of his overall health. 50 under 82. Okay. So, Jack, how many hit points are you down at this point? I am down four. Okay. So, you figured Jack could probably use a couple days rest. And that's going to do him just fine. You are going to need to set some time off the feet, Jack. You have pushed yourself as far as you can go. Well, I'll do what I can, Doc. <laughs> Doctor's orders. Uh, anybody else that has injuries? Uh, me. <laughs> and me. Okay. Lawrence, uh, your wounds uh, are perplexing to me right now. I don't. <laughs> I failed that role. I, I apologize. That's okay. Uh, so the doctor's medicine skill is what? Uh, Eighty-two. Okay, so five points of luck makes that a success. Yeah, I'll go with five points of luck. Why not? Okay. That is the nicest thing anyone has done for me at this table. <laughs> you spend a little luck, and you kind of redouble <laughs> your efforts, and you realize that maybe it's not as perplexing as you thought. What it is really is it's just it's the way Mr. Forsyth is sitting that makes his slash wound so perplexing. And you basically have to just kind of move Forsyth into a different position. Yeah, I, I push him over, basically. <laughs> Gently. Uh, and then you roll 1d3. The first wave of clean towels and hot water arrives. Wunderbar. This will help immensely. Thank you, Fräulein. And that brandy. Where was that at? She places a bottle near the table and a couple of glasses. I pour one for Forsyth and uh, Miss O'Shea first. Yes. Thank you, Doctor. Thanks. Uh, doctor, while you're working on his wound, his wound begins to remind you of uh, a wound you stitched up in during the war and you begin to see the stone pathway again from the dream and the soldiers in Germany just for a moment and then it all fades back to re regular reality kind of zone out and start humming a, a tune I heard the soldiers humming in the trenches Miss Lane I checked this lane last, by the way. And then go ahead. Thanks for that. I spend two more luck. Okay. So that'll make that 84 and 82. And then collapse exhausted. Yeah, right. Okay. Her wound is simple. Okay. So, uh, Miss Lane, you heal three points of damage from your uh, the assistance, the wonderful medical assistance the doctor gives you. Thank you. Hannah comes out, starts bringing a bit of food. Thank you, Hannah. My question is this. Doctor, are you injured? Uh, yes, I actually did take a couple of points of damage during the scuffle with the thing. Okay, so on the third, the fourth trip that Hannah, when she comes back in, 
she actually kind of kneels down beside you and has you take your coat off. And she begins to see to your uh, injuries. Oh, don't shame, Fräulein. You have been much appreciated. Your efforts are wonderful. If you are ever in Chicago and you would like to take up training, you let me know. You do quite a good work. Yeah, she uh, she definitely knows what she's doing. Uh, you feel far better after she's done. So, uh, the group is together. There is uh, a couple bottles of, of alcohol to help soothe the wounds. You're still kind of sitting in the same clothes. Uh, at least some of you are. And what are you doing? I... I would like to get back to the hotel so we can clean up. Do we have a plan for after the hotel? Well, we're Arkham, correct? No, we're not going to Arkham yet. That was just in case we everything fell apart. Got it. Yeah. Is there anything else in town that we need here to do? But we do have a party to go to. The uh, eclipse party. This is true. Yes. That is extremely important for our co- for our group's cause to get go to this party. Party. What party? Did I miss something with the party? What's today's date, Mike? Uh, today's date is, I believe, it is the twentieth. And when's the party? No, I think maybe it's the 21st, actually, because it would have been the morning. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's the 21st currently. The party is the 24th. Okay, I vaguely remember a party, but why were we going? Because Lillian needs to convince... You were sick for a while. Oh, the chick, right? Yeah, it's not Lillian. We need to go to the Carlisle uh, with Katilin, and there's perhaps the diary of Eric Carlisle. Erica Carlisle? Yes. Yeah, we have to go to Erica Carlisle's estate for their eclipse party so that we can try to get the books and maybe the journal from... um, uh, was it Roger Carlisle? The safe. Yeah. Or any other information we can get out of her. Yes. His safe or her or Erica's safe. I'm thinking we need that journal quite la- quite badly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it uh, was as it was described in the uh, in Dr. Huston's notes, the uh, dream journal, if that is in Erica's possession, could be a key piece of uh, insight. And uh, yeah, and Jack had, uh, you know, batted his eyes at Erica enough and found a way to get uh, get invited to a party. One does. <laughs> but that uh, but that doesn't take place for another three days. And we also have to get new clothes for that because we're supposed to look the part. Right. I was just going to say, we have to go shopping. I'm sure I did not pack anything, like any of my performance stuff or anything. Performance stuff? What kind of party are you going to? 
I sing at upscale clubs sometimes. Oh. We wouldn't insinuate that she's a flapper or anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, her handiwork and uh, the uh, the doctor's hand uh, or the doctor's doctor bag has actually managed to recover some things uh, from your recent escapades. So you do have things to uh, inspect. Oh, I have the IDs from those from those clothes in the basement. I open you have some of the IDs, yes. Well, I want to look at the mask and stuff or and whatever else I have in my bag at the hotel where I have the majority of my books to reference. I take Jack's gun out of my bag as well as whatever else I stuffed in there. Thank you. Make it without it. Don't worry. You take out Forsyth's gun, hand them back to their respective owners. Uh, what you find in your doctor bag that you were managed to, to squirrel away in there was some sort of book. I thumbed through it just really quick before I hand it over to Miss O'Shea. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to start leaning, like looking over his shoulder, like, hmm, a book? Well, I mean, at one point, this book was in your hands. It's just oh, right. uh, you handed it to him because you didn't have enough space in the the pelt, right? And then it's at that point in your memory while you're sitting here trying to, like, recover in this uh, apartment that you realize, crap, somebody got into this car and swiped a bunch of stuff back from us. Right. Um, yeah. So... The book itself uh, has a relatively uh, common cover. There's not a whole lot to it. Um, there seems to be uh, also within your stuff, Maeve, uh, you, you see the chronometer that you've managed to keep. Uh, and then, Doctor, beside the book, you also find some sort of bowl. It's a burnished copper bowl. Hmm. All right. Look what I found. And then more specifically, Miss O'Shea, if you're speaking about the book in question, mm -hmm. it looks like it's a hand-published book. It doesn't look like it was uh, any sort of... It, didn't, it doesn't look like it went through a traditional publishing house at all. Uh, blue pasteboard cover, marbled end papers, uh, blue stained paper edges. Uh, it is called Africa's Dark Sects. S-E-C-T-S. Ooh, fun. That's going to be worth a read. Just leaf leafing through it, James, you see that the author's name is a man by the name of Nigel Blackwell. Nigel Blackwell. Uh, do I, in my occult research researches so far, do I recognize the name? Um, you could make an occult roll for it if you'd like. Oh, can I? Well, not both of you at the same time, but yeah. I have an occult of 35. I did not, sir. 
Okay. Yeah, you're not really sure what its relevance is. Means little to me. I hand her the book. I know she's she's uh, chomping at a bit to get a hold of it. So I rolled a three out of eighty-two. So that's an extreme uh, success, obviously. Um, while you have not necessarily uh, with leafing through the pages, really, what comes to you specifically, Miss O'Shea, is Blackwell's name. So. Nigel Blackwell was a man that was known to do some exploring. And he did it in his travels across Africa. What makes this so interesting of a find is that you were under the impression, having heard that uh, the name Blackwell, only because you had heard that his manuscripts had all been burned, you find it interesting because... You thought they were all lost. I thought all of his works had been lost. This is interesting. I'm going to need time to read this. That makes this manuscript extremely valuable, does it not? Yeah, and I would think that there's information in it that, you know, shouldn't be out or they don't want out, whoever they might be. I don't know. There's, there's no publishing house on the... Uh, inside of the book. It does not appear if, if it was published. It was published, must have been published by him. So he took great care to uh, make sure this book got somewhere. Indeed. As far as the bowl itself goes, just passing it around and looking at it uh, between the two of you, it appears that the bowl is, again, that burnished copper and it probably would take some time to, to sit down and really look at it and identify it. Try to dive a bit into it specifically. So you'd have to investigate a little bit more. The other thing you have is the chronometer, which is probably something that um, once Mr. Forsyth sees, he's going to recognize at least a little bit because it's a more um, high-class technical object. Right. I'm just basically just waiting on Lillian so that we can get back to the hotel and I can pull my books out and really start pouring over the items and their inscriptions and reading the book and all that stuff. Sure. I guess what I want to impress to everybody is that in some way, shape or form, most of you are covered in um, fluids in some yeah. fashion. And so right. I know you want to go back to the hotel, but... If you've ever been covered in your own or something else's blood, it's a very uncomfortable feeling, at least usually. Should probably get cleaned up before you go back to the hotel. I'm sure I have plenty of extra stuff laying around. Okay, but you're tiny. You have nothing that <laughs> will work well, for me. At least, at least wash up. May I utilize one of your washrooms? Hannah speaks up. Miss Lane, if you'd like, I could I could go down to the shops downstairs and just acquire something for them to wear that would be clean. I That would be perfect. Okay. She um steps to one side and, and walks over to you, Miss O'Shea, and um says, you know, if you just give me an idea of 
a rough size, I can make sure that there's something that will fit you. Yeah, I'll give her whatever size at the time because, you know, sizes have changed greatly over the years because, you know, women and men making women's clothing. But that's neither here nor there. Yeah, it's there there aren't real sizes to speak of per se, like in manufactured sizes, because a lot of clothes are, are handmade. So Right. So give her uh, measurements or whatever. She really more or less just has you stand up and sees how tall you are and then helps you sit back down. <laughs> For the gentleman in the room, Stefan, her other uh, uh, assistant gets a, a better idea of physically what you'd wear and then gives those measurements to uh, to Hannah. Right. Uh, I'll be right back, Miss Lane. I, I'll be as quick as I can. Thank you. So yeah, so you have this bowl, you have this book, and you have this uh, chronometer. What do I notice about the bowl? Um, I assume that's archaeology. Yeah, you can go ahead and roll archaeology for it if you'd like. That is a 21 test. Normal. Yep. Um, the biggest thing so far that you start seeing about this copper bowl is that it appears anyway to to have aged quite a bit. Uh, so this copper here, yes, it's burnished, but it's burnished because it is of great age. So you'd probably put this, it, it's probably several hundred years old, if not older. Do I know anything about where it would have been found, maybe? Bowl like this, given your success, is probably something that comes out of Arabia, the desert, something like that. So anybody else doing anything else as far as the items go, or do we likely can move on? Um, I'd like to pull it. I'm just going to wash wash my face and wash up. Uh, Hannah comes back probably about an hour or so later, so you guys have time to eat and rest for a moment. Uh, she comes back an hour later with, with suitable clothes for everyone. While they're not uh, necessarily your styles or, the, or always the fit that you'd want, um, they're clean. And uh, she offers to take the clothes that you <laughs> got dirty and dispose of them. It's like, I have no idea what happened there, but... And I thank her. Immensely. She just gives you a simple nod and continues on down the firing line until she gets everybody's dirty clothes. <laughs> She's not paid to ask questions. Right. That's true. And I mean, if you're not at least, you know, coming back to your apartment covered in blood every once every month or two... Are you really an upper crust rich person? So Exactly. What do we have to do? So the group collects itself back up and I I'm, I know that you mentioned you were planning on going back to the Gerard. Is that still the case? Absolutely. Well, we either have one of two things. We can either go back to the Gerard and stay there or we can move our things to Lillian's place, which I do not want to intrude. So, I mean, it's I, I guess we need to have a discussion on what we're going to do so that we can all be in one place or not. 
allow me to say that I I'm not very comfortable uh, going to this uh, function, whatever it is. And uh, quite frankly, this hurts like the devil, and I don't feel like moving around very much. Where were we planning on going after? We oh, if we don't have any more um, investigation to do here in the city, I think we were planning on heading out probably to Miskatonic or is there anybody else we need to talk to here? Let's we need to make sure we got this covered first. What about that lecture? I don't know if we ever found the date of the lecture. Do we know what time of the date or when it was happening? No, there was no date on it, and it just said happening tonight or something like that, or this week or something. But I remember that there wasn't a date on it. And we also know that the person is a uh, professor at Miskatonic? Correct, which is why we were going to go to Arkham. You know what? Maybe we can give a call to the place that was hosting the event. I can call Christopher and see if he knows anything about it, but I mean, I don't know. I just figured I'd speak to him when we got there because chances are that fly whatever that flyer was from, it's long since passed or we missed it or, you know, whatever. Yeah, it's very likely, but it'd be nice to know. Well, that's why I figured if we're going, I'll ask him. I have to check up on my mom anyways. If you want to give him a call, you might know something. Okay, speaking of this whole thing, uh, Miss Lane. Mr. Doyle. Now that you've uh, had a taste for what happened, what's going on in this uh, whole situation, are you still certain you want to accompany us? Yes. I mean... It's not exactly uh, something a lady of your social level usually deals with. I just want to make certain that you're okay. You've been having conversations with Mr. Forsyth, haven't you? No, not at all. Just making sure. No, I am um, definitely still in this 100%. Uh, but Maeve, uh, Miss O'Shea does bring up a good point about um, trying to keep us all together. Now, you are all more than welcome to stay here and bring all your things here. There is plenty of room for everybody. But I can also pack my things and come to the hotel. Well, I have a feeling that our hotel has been compromised. I have that feeling as well. 100%. But I, I don't want to intrude on your living space. Not at all. I think there's plenty of living space for everybody. Yeah, there's no doubt of that. There's definitely enough space. If you're okay with that. Yep, you guys can make yourselves right at home. Well, then I say we get our things and bring them all here. The doc slumps into a chair. And then we need to prepare for the party. Doctor, I'll get your things at the hotel. You stay here and rest. Do you have Charles take you to the hotel? There's no need for you to take a taxi or... Thank you, Miss O'Shea. That is wonderful. Thank you. We will uh, do that then. Doc, I'll go with you. I mean, at least one of us, see somebody who can, uh, you know, in case some, somebody's there. Well, the doctor needs to rest. 
So do you want to come with me or? Yeah, I can do that. So you and Jack are going to back to the Gerard then? Yeah, to get everybody's things and load them up and bring them to uh, Lillian's place. Okay. Uh, you head into anybody going? Uh, is it just the two of you or Mr. Forsyth going? Or I don't know if he's coming. He hasn't answered. To Forsyth's asleep? Uh, yeah, I would probably have retired because uh, still a bit uh, sore. Okay. So... Uh, Jack, you and Maeve head out with Charles and you drive not too far, but you drive far enough to get over to the Gerard. The hotel is uh, still has the same bustling lobby as it did before when you were here. You see the uh, floor manager, the uh, hotel manager uh, give you a wave when you walk in. Come over. Uh, is it uh, Mr. Doyle? Um, uh, he uh, leans over the the counter just for a moment and then kind of points a bit to the right for him down the the counter would you mind giving me a moment of your time no of course he heads down I'm going to use this opportunity to like slip away and go up to our hotel room and start collecting everything together like in case this is bad news <laughs> you slip away um, you see uh, the hotel manager and Jack begin to have a quiet conversation um, I I wanted to let you know Mr. Doyle um, the police were here a little bit ago they? Um, I did my best to keep them out of the room um, but they were very persistent so um, unfortunately the hotel is not going to be able to uh, dissuade the <laughs> New York Police Department for very long so uh, no no we will be relocating anyhow um, do you have a name um, it was uh, Captain Robeson that came of course it was okay thank you very much we'll be out of your hair Okay, Miss O'Shea, you uh, get to the room, and when you get to the hotel room and walk in, you realize that uh, someone's been here. Excellent. Uh, drawers have been pulled out. Things have been tipped over. People's clothes have been gone through. You you have a bit of a flashback to your house. Right. Torn apart. It's not that bad. This is much more um, direct. Um, it looks like they were searching for something. And there's less space in this hotel room, this combined hotel room, to, to do that sort of thing. So, uh, But your stuff has been gone through. Uh, you see the, there's a collection of newspaper clippings like all over the apartment. Stuff that you collected from room 410. Mm -hmm. And uh, a few minutes go by and Jack joins you in the uh, room. I'm going to start collecting the newspaper articles that we had, make sure all my books are there because everything else can really be replaced, but any evidence we had and, you know, occult books are kind of hard to replace. Yeah. All your books are there. Um, it looks like most of the stuff, most of the papers that you've collected are, are there. 
there are a couple of things missing after you kind of get everybody's stuff collected. Um, you guys would notice this. Um, Jack, both you and Mr. Forsyth's Enfield rifles are gone. Shit. Okay. So uh, other than that, though, most everyone's stuff is still here. All right. Okay. Well, I will tidy up and get everybody's stuff separated into their bags and whatever, and so we can hurry up and get a move on. Okay. You collect your things. Um, it's going to be uh, kind of a, you know, a bit of a tussle to get everything downstairs, but you uh, you do manage, between the two of you, uh, to collect, you know, three other people's and your own things. Um, and you check yourself out rather quickly from the hotel. So what I'd like the two of you to do is give me a luck roll. Collectively, whosoever is lower. What's your luck? Uh... Let me look real quick here. My luck is 41. Phew. Sweet. I'm going to fail this. I told you. It's a 51. You head downstairs and you begin to head back out to the car where Charles is waiting. And when you get back to the car, when you're about to go through the doors, the doormans are going to open it for you. You can see through that somewhat um, frosted glass just because of the the weather and the humidity on the inside of the door. Uh, You see that there are three New York police officers around Miss Lane's driver. And they are uh, uh, having a conversation with him. I will immediately grab uh, Miss O'Shea and move her off to the side. We have to go out and exit another exit. Yeah. You begin moving to a side exit. Hoisting all the bags and everything else uh, down the way. Uh, A couple of hotel bellboys ask if they can help you. Oh, thank you. We have it. You get out a side exit uh, into the cold and snowy New York City uh, streets. Where to? We'll try to get a cab. Okay. Okay, well, if you want to call a cab, you're going to have to go to the street near the hotel. You have to go to the front street because that's where the cabs are going to be at. They're not going to be on these side streets. So we'll have to walk to another street otherwise and freeze our butts off hauling this garbage. That would be better than trying to get a cab on the main street in front of the cops. Agreed. Okay. You head to a couple streets over and you hail a cab. It takes probably a good five minutes. So you stand outside in 15 to 20 degree weather for five minutes or so hailing a cab. Uh, doing your best to tuck yourselves inside of doorways when uh, when there aren't any cars around. It takes you a good half an hour to get back towards uh, Miss Lane's apartment, but you do eventually arrive, bags and all, albeit a bit frozen. Yeah, so the rest of you see uh, Miss O'Shea and Mr. Doyle walk in the door kind of with the, your bags and your things. Oh, uh, the cops have been at the hotel. But it looks like they still have us. You got our stuff, though. 
Yeah, we had to leave Charles uh, speaking to the uh, officers. Sure, Charles can handle himself. He knows how to be discreet. I hope so. Uh, so you collectively have all the things that you were supposed to have, minus Jack's rifle, of course. Um, and if you'd like, Miss Lane, you can hunker down and maybe take a look at some of the other stuff that you've got uh, collected. What time of day is it, or evening? It's about dinner time, roughly speaking. Okay. Um, and you can actually smell something cooking. Wonderful. Yeah, it smells pretty good. I show them all the guest rooms, and they can have their pick of which one they want. Yeah, so, in, gentlemen, instead of being uh, collected all into, you know, a, a bunking area, you actually have your own room here. <laughs> uh, and it's fairly well appointed. So, wunderbar. Yeah, I'm gonna just walk in random room and start spreading out books and the things that I've the items that I've collected and start looking at that until I get way too hungry. Okay. So I'll give you a couple of things. When you get back into the book, as far as Africa's dark sex, you realize that there's a stamp inside that book. Uh, and that stamp says property of the trustees of Harvard university. Oh, really? Really? Interesting. Are you going to do any further inspection with your tomes and as you, as an assistant to your role uh, on any of the other items that you've collected? All of them, if I can. I mean, I may not find anything, but, you know, like I'm going to take each item and try and find a reference point to start at, things like that. Um, and then... Once I get through looking through some of that stuff and taking notes on it, then I'm going to actually take time to read and study the book we picked up. Okay. So what I'll do for the bowl is I'll give you um, a, a Cthulhu Mythos roll for it after you're going to study the bowl for a little bit. And then if you'd like, you have the ability to use the Swift's Tome as an assistant to that roll. Oh, okay. So the value of Swift's Tome is eight. Uh, so it's whatever your mythos score is plus the eight. So you want me to roll mythos first and then roll it with the assist or? No, you just factor it in. So you treat your skill as if it's higher than it actually is. Okay. Hold on. Let me see. That's a 13. So my mythos would be... 20. Okay. Okay. Um, so you, after some careful work over the night, uh, you identify this as an ancient bowl used in conjunction with some sort of strange and arcane spell work. You think the spell would probably be something devised of... Uh, not an English tongue for sure. Now it could be uh, an Arabic tongue or something like that. The bowl, your first instinct was to think that it's copper, uh, but you don't believe that that metal is copper. You think it's something else. Hmm. 
but that bowl is definitely used in conjunction with some sort of uh, strange spell work. It is a very potentially very useful uh, spell work indeed. So, as far as the chronometer goes, it it doesn't really reveal anything else differently. The thing about the chronometer after some rudimentary research uh, and just probably a discussion with Mr. Forsyth over dinner uh, or breakfast one morning uh, is that a chronometer is used to, to keep very exact time. Uh, it's not like a wall clock. It's not like a pocket watch. It is something that is, is meant to kept, keep very precise time. And this is a marine chronometer, which means normally it would be on a ship. And what's fascinating about it is it was in the basement of uh, an African arts dealer parading as a, you know, a, or an African, I don't know what you would call it, a, a den of, you know, disgusting uh, spell work you know, who was parading as some sort of art and uh, antiquities dealer. It's, it, what time was it set to? Well, uh, if you can, if you'd like to make a no roll, uh, you can go ahead and determine that. Sure. Uh, Are there any engravings or anything on the chronometer? If it's if it's a marine chronometer, like uh, initials or anything on it? Uh, no, you don't see any initials per se. Uh, you do see that it is well constructed, and it's very precise. Well, that's a sixty-six, so that's a failure. Okay. It, it might have. I mean, I can't guarantee that whatever time is currently on it is the time it was set at. Actually, I'll give this. I'll give this one to you, Mister Forsyth. You look at it, and then you look at the clock on the wall here in Miss Lane's apartment. And the time is off. I mean, by hours, several hours. How many? Four hours. Hmm. It's actually running fast, four hours fast. That would put it somewhere west of England, but east of us. Yeah, so, um, Doctor, if you'd like to make a no-roll as well, you can. I would like to, yes. I rolled a 21 under 80, uh, which is actually under a hard for me, so. Okay, uh, you put it together with a snap of your fingers. Uh, that clock is running on London GMT. That's Greenwich time. That's not too far from my home. Miss O'Shea, over the night, you do uh, inspect the uh, the mask, the headdress. You don't see any other distinct markings or uses for it specifically. You really wish you hadn't put it in your purse because now your purse kind of smells. <laughs> yeah, to be expected. Mummified human tongue. But, you know, what are you going to do, right? It's delicious. God. 
<laughs> yeah. And that's what you've managed to pull out. Uh, that was not, um, that has not gone missing. I'll just put it that way. So the investigating crew comes back together that night around the dinner table. Clean, still a little bit bruised, uh, but now together again. You have a wonderful meal at Miss Lane's apartment, and uh, you get to sample some excellent food and probably uh, an alcohol selection of your choice. I would like to propose a toast to our host, Miss Lane. Hostess Miss Lane, she has put us put up uh, with us Mudley crew. Thank you very much. That's not any trouble at all. Um, so one thing we hadn't done yet, Mike, was I had those IDs that we hadn't done anything with. Yep. Okay. Uh, yeah, because you got into the lockbox and you found the IDs that are in there. Piecing through the evidence that you have uh, and that Jack has found and that Mr. Forsyth and the doctor found, uh, you're fairly certain that many of these identifications line up with the the people who'd been killed uh, in Harlem over the past couple of years. This identification put with the ledger book that Lieutenant Poole has would be a, a fairly damning set of physical evidence. Is there any way we can get these to Lieutenant Poole? I mean, you could try to contact him at his desk in the morning. That's a, that's a decision you would have to make. Yeah, we can give him a call in the morning. Certainly, it's not going to be me. I can give him a call in the morning. Yes, she has the ultimate shield, money. That is where I'm going to close it down for the evening. So when we get back next week, uh, the investigators have a decision to make about where they go next. And if they go out and get dressed up for a party. So uh, I want to thank all of you who listen to the show and who interact with us. We're on Discord. Uh, so come join us on the Discord. Hang out with the characters themselves, the people who play them. Ask them questions. Give them some feedback if you'd like. Uh, and then we'll see you all real soon. Okay? Okay.